This is our second session on Colossians 3, 5 to 10. And before I launch into an explanation of what it means to put to death the members of our body insofar as they are on the earth involved in sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, I wanted to clarify from last time something I don't think I said clearly enough. So, Father, as we, as we look back briefly to last time and then move forward, please open our hearts now to what you have to teach us about the Holy Spirit, about the fullness of Christ, and about putting sin to death in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may remember I looked at that therefore, and I went back, and I said, we put to death what is already dead. You have died. So I said, uh, kill what's dead. And then to show that he continues that way of thinking, I jumped down here to verse 10 and looked at these words. And have you have put on the new self. So it's really new. This new self is really there, which is being renewed. And so I sum that up by saying, renew what's new. So you really are new, now be new. You really are dead, now put yourself to death. But what I didn't make as clear, because I didn't point out one of the words, was this. Here in verse 9 it says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. So just like you have put on, you have put on the new self. You have put off the old self. It is really dead. The self is really put off. But I failed to point out this verb. But now put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice. So this term, put away, I think, parallels, you have put the old self off. You have put off the old self. So, put away the activities of that old self. So, I would put here, put off what's off. <laughs> So, three paradoxical ways of saying the same thing. Kill what's dead, renew what's new, put off what's off. And that verb right there, put away, is not exactly the same verb as put off, but it's the same idea. And you can see that by finding the parallel to this in Ephesians, but I won't go into that now. So, that's a clarification from last time. And I said this time, we want to focus on put to death what's dead, or put to death the members of your body, that is, 
the body that is on the earth, those members that are on the earth, which I think means put to death the members of your body insofar as your members become instruments of sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. And you may remember that I jumped to a parallel in Romans 8.13 to try to show how we do this, namely, if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And I noticed the connection between this killing and this Spirit. We do this killing by the Spirit, and that made me think of Ephesians 6, 17, and 18, or 16 and 17. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. And here comes the sword of the spirit. So there's the killing weapon. We only have one offensive killing weapon in the spiritual armor. The belt isn't used to kill. The shield isn't used to kill. The helmet isn't used to kill. The shoes aren't used to kill. The sword is used to kill. And it is the word of God. And so I came back here and I said, so I think by the Spirit, killing the sinful deeds of the body involves believing the Word or using the Word, and then I was going to come back here and show you how that works with regard to these sins. But the question occurred to me, and I just want to deal with it briefly and then do next time what I said I was going to do this time. Why, John Piper, are you jumping out of this context over to Romans 8.13 and drawing in by the Spirit when that's not mentioned here? Is that legitimate? What's your methodology? When, what are you thinking when you do that? Why, why don't you just stay right here or in the book of Colossians? Now, here's my two answers to that question, which is a very good and important question. My first answer is reality, and my second answer is um, indwelling Christ. Okay, what do I mean by that? When I read the Bible, I try to see not only what words mean, so I can restate the meaning of the words, I want to see the reality behind the words in actual Christian practice that Paul's talking about. Now, when I ask, how do you put sexual immorality to death? I know lots of other things the Apostle Paul said. I want to know what he thinks in the totality of reality, not just what a few words in Colossians mean. So I'm going to step back and say, Paul, I can't take your words in isolation ever. I always need to know the bigger view of reality that you have. And I know that Paul has this view of reality. Put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. That's true. That's reality. The fact that he didn't mention it here is a very good question. Why didn't he mention the Holy Spirit here? So that's my first answer. I am going to go with reality based on Paul's teaching in its totality, not just pieces of his teaching. 
I'll try not to make any distant teaching twist a present teaching. I will always try to let each part of the teaching say what it has to say. So that leads me to the next question, indwelling Christ. Why isn't the Holy Spirit more prominent here? Put to death, therefore, the members of the body by the Spirit, by the Word. Why don't you say that, Paul? And it's part of the larger question, where's the Holy Spirit in this book? Totally. There's only one reference to the Holy Spirit in the book of Colossians. It's right here. Chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Epaphras is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit or by the Spirit. That word can mean either. So he just, in passing, refers to the love that the Colossians have as a love which is in or by the Spirit, which is a pointer to the fact that Paul sees the putting to death of unlove, lack of love, as a work of the Spirit. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So Paul, in Colossians, has a view of the indwelling Spirit doing the work of creating love rather than sexual immorality. But that's it. There's no other place he references the Holy Spirit. Why? Here's my attempt at an answer. In chapter 1, verse 18, he says, Christ is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. If I take that as my clue, it answers for me the question, why does Jesus Christ stand in Colossians where you might expect the Holy Spirit? Let me just give you a few texts to show you what I mean. So jump to Colossians 1.9. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, spiritual here means wisdom by or in the Holy Spirit. So there is this indirect reference to the Spirit producing wisdom and understanding in the soul of the Christian. But the rest of the references that I'm going to point to refer to Christ. Here's Colossians 1.27. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all the energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, but it's the work of Christ because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. But Paul isn't drawing attention to the Holy Spirit. He's drawing attention to Christ, Christ in you, Christ powerfully working in me. Here's Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, by him. So the fullness that Paul talks about of us is not the fullness of the Spirit in Colossians, 
It's the fullness of the fullness of Christ. Christ is full of deity, and we are full of Christ. For here's Colossians 3.11. Here in the church, there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all, and he is in all. Christ is in all. He could have said, the Holy Spirit indwells all, which is true. He's emphasizing the preeminence of Christ. One more text, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This is called the fullness of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians, and here it's called the fullness of the word of Christ. So, I come back to our our text, put to death, therefore, uh, the members as they are instruments of sexual morality. And I say, I want to deal with this as Paul understands it in the totality of his worldview, his view of reality, which involves the Holy Spirit and the fullness of Christ and the Word of God and the Word of Christ. And I want to take into account the fact that it's the Word of Christ. When Paul says here, by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, and then he says that the sword, the killing instrument of the Spirit, is the Word of God, I know that this Word of God is the Word of Christ. So we're going to come back now and do what I said I was going to do, namely tackle what it means to put to death what is dead and do it by Christ, by the Spirit by the Word of God, by the Word of Christ.